This is The Defrag. I'm James Parkinson. Well, it's nearly Easter time, and for a lot of people, that means chocolate. It's the chocolate industry's busiest time of year, but not all chocolate is equal. Child labour, environmental impacts like deforestation and poverty are major problems in the harvesting of cocoa. Holding chocolate companies to account and encouraging them to improve their practices and supply chains is imperative if the industry is to change. It's also important to know where your favourite chocolate comes from and how you can make more informed choices. And that's where the chocolate scorecard comes in. The Chocolate Scorecard came about because there were a couple of organisations that were doing reports on the cocoa in chocolate. We were doing the social aspects, of course, because of of uh, uh, slavery and worse forms of child labour. Others were doing environment. And what companies were saying to us was, you know, uh, we've got all these questionnaires and things we've got to do. Look, you know, it, it really has taken up a lot of our energy and time. So we thought, OK, they are so intertwined the environmental issues and the social issues, why don't we get together with uh, these other NGOs and we'll just do the one chocolate scorecard where we look at the cocoa uh, and where it's coming from and what's happening on the ground with the farmers and with the abuse and with the helps that are needed there. My name is Fuzz Kiddo and I'm uh, the co-director of Be Slavery Free, which is a coalition of 25 organisations working together to uh, stop slavery and to help businesses and consumers to understand what's happening and what they can do to help thwart, disrupt uh, and abolish and prevent uh, human slavery. And so what we do is that we work with companies, with chocolate companies, to actually score them in six areas. The first one is traceability and transparency. Unless you know where the cocoa beans are coming from, you cannot know what's happening on the ground. It's it's blind. About 55 up to 55% of the cocoa that goes in the chocolate is from what's called indirect sources where they can't trace it. They don't know the whole supply chain. uh, And so that's a key one. The second one is what's a living income for the cocoa farmers. In other words, the criteria, which is used called the anchor methodology. And then uh, child labor, what's happening in that, uh, which is particularly important because the NORC report that came out from the University of Chicago that the US Labor Department does every five years under Harkin and Engel Protocol. They uh, found there was 1.56 million children in child labor in West Africa. 80% of the world's cocoa comes from West Africa, predominantly from Cote d'Ivoire, which does about 38% of the cocoa in the world. Next door, Ghana, around about 28% of the world's cocoa grown there. And so what they do is that they look at what's happening there uh, and how prevalent this is. The fourth area is uh, agroforestry. How are they having a diversity of trees and growth on a farm which helps the environment, which also helps them in the production of cocoa, it's healthier. The fifth one is in deforestation and in climate change. And uh, in deforestation, Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana, around about 80%, 80% of the forests have been cut down. 30% of that has been for cocoa growing. And then the final one is agrochemicals. That's the new one we put in this year. So we score each of them on that. And each of those areas in the chocolate companies, we give them an egg. It plays on the Easter egg of chocolate. And so a green egg is, yep, 
they are they really put efforts in this uh, a, a yellow egg yep they're putting it in uh, there's still some way to go orange egg oh there's a long way to go there's lots of things they need to do to a red egg of oh, they are way way behind that gets aggregated across the six areas and then they have a a chocolate bunny again on those four colors and then there's a broken egg for those chocolate companies who decided not to become a part of the scorecard and therefore not to be transparent it covers around about 90 percent of the chocolate production in the world so these companies are willingly participating in this survey uh, and giving up this information but how do you actually verify that this information is correct and these companies are actually partaking in uh, in these sustainable practices so each question each answer they give to the questions that we ask we work out the questions with the industry and with the ngos and with the expert knowledge uh, partners uh, and others who are leading in the area to work out what are the questions you ask. Those questions are so key. The questions you ask, of course, will very much determine the answers that you get. But then for the answers, we ask them to verify where that is made publicly available. And so in making a connection with what they've said, then it's possible for them, if they're not giving the right answers, that means because it's out there in the public, then it can be critiqued and it can be worked through by the academics and by the NGO civil society. Uh, and of course, others in the chocolate industry as well. So every answer they get, there's got to be some verification. There are a number of companies who are producing sustainable, ethical chocolate. Do these products typically cost more than than other options? Usually not, because what we find is that the attitudes of consumers now is becoming more and more ethical. They want to know that what they're buying are coming from sources uh, which are being good for people and good for the environment. So what happens is that there's a boost to the companies who are doing it. So uh, you will not pay huge amounts more for this. It just becomes a part of good business practice. Coming up, how you can make an informed choice to ensure you're purchasing sustainable and ethical chocolate. That's after the break. If you're enjoying this episode of The Defrag and you want to support the work that we're doing, head on over to our website, thedefrag.com and become a Defrag member. You can get an ad-free version of the podcast, a sticker pack, a regular newsletter and discounts to our merch. Plus, there's a number of other perks depending on your membership level. Becoming a member is really the best way to support the show. It empowers us to produce independent journalism and gives you the best of the podcast without all the noise. So head on over to our website, thedefrag.com and become a member today. As you browse the confectionery aisle, there are a lot of choices when it comes to chocolate. So how do you know which brands and products are ethical? What advice do you give to consumers to to make better choices about the chocolate they're buying? I think most consumers have no idea the power that they have. Now, we don't do uh, a boycott. Uh, We do what we call a boycott. 
And so um, what we say to consumers is buy from the companies who are trying to make the efforts to do something about this. In that way, what happens is they realize across the industries that it is not acceptable to have these abuses or to have these environmental abuses. And so what happens, because the, the language of business is profits. And so it's going to affect their profit line. Uh, and also it will affect their reputation. You can look at the chocolate scorecard. It is downloadable or you can put usually on your phone when you go, uh, have a look at what's available and see the scoring of the different companies. And it won't have all the products on the chocolate scorecard, but all the products will have to have the company that produced them. Have a look then at that company on the chocolate scorecard and choose to support those who are in the higher colors. And that way consumers can know they're making a difference. And we're not just talking about making a difference to one or two people. We're talking about making the difference to thousands, hundreds of thousands, and around the world, there's around about 4.2 million cocoa farmers. So that's the scale that we're looking at. What you buy, your voice is in your choice, we often say. And so choose the chocolate companies that are doing well or making efforts. And in that way, consumers can really know that they are a part of this movement to actually bring about some change for humanity and for the environment and to make a difference in this world. Those companies that are, you know, doing their part to, to improve and particularly the companies that are, you know, just focused on 100% sustainable ethical chocolate, how impactful is that in encouraging these even bigger companies that they too can, can step up and improve their practices? It's a matter of scale. And so the ones that have got the green eggs or the green bunnies in the, in the scorecard uh, are generally smaller companies. Uh, Whitaker's is up there, the New Zealand chocolate company. They're making a big difference. There are six chocolate companies that produce around about 70 to 80% of the world's chocolate. And they are Nestle and Mondelez, which Cadbury's is in the Mondelez company, um, Mars, Hershey's, Ferrero, and Lint. Those six companies are the big ones. They are the big, big players in the chocolate industry. And so uh, uh, they, they are the ones who um, won't get the green eggs because there's so much more because of the scale of what they work in. But they are the ones who are going to make the big difference overall. And once you get those big players and we get the leaders coming together and, and showing what can be done and how to do it, it affects the rest of the industry and you will affect the little chocolate makers because a lot of the little chocolate and smaller chocolate makers buy after three big processes. Three big processes are Olam, Cargill, and Barry Calabut, and they process. In other words, they buy the cocoa beans, they roast them into nibs, they turn it into uh, cocoa butter, uh, cocoa liquor, or cocoa powder, and they then generally sell that on to the chocolate companies that add dairy and add sugar and the other ingredients uh, for the different flavors. So if we get the industry changed, those processes will start to change and that will affect what's going to be available to the smaller chocolate companies to be able to do it. And so on scale, it is those six big ones and those three big processes, which are the big, big players and the ones, of course, we tend to work with most just because of the scale that they're working on and because of the effect that they can have.
Also making news today, Twitter's largest shareholder, Elon Musk, has decided against joining the Twitter board. Parag Agrawal, the CEO of Twitter, tweeted a statement indicating that Musk turned down the position on the same day he was due to be appointed. Parag said in his statement that, I believe this is for the best. Since the initial announcement that Musk had become the largest shareholder, Elon had been turning into quite a problem for the social media giant. This weekend, he was polling followers over whether the company should turn their San Francisco HQ into a homeless shelter, with 91.5% of his audience agreeing. He also ran a poll jokingly asking if the W from Twitter should be removed, and has been suggesting that everyone who pays for Twitter Blue should become verified. While Elon only recently became a shareholder, his oversized personality could still influence the direction of the platform. The initial deal for Musk to join the board came with the condition that he couldn't buy more than 14.9% of the business. Not joining the board leaves Musk open to purchase a larger stake in the company. And lastly today, Meta has decided to adopt a recommendation from its oversight board that will prevent the sharing of publicly available addresses. While sharing of residential addresses was already restricted on Facebook and Instagram, there had been an exemption that allowed an address to be published if it had appeared in at least five news outlets. The oversight board made a recommendation in February to close this loophole, and now Meta says it will implement the change by the end of the year. There will, however, be an allowance for sharing the residential address of high-ranking officials, where the locations can be accurately identified and might be shared for reasons like organising a protest. The Defrag is a production of Lawson Media. The show today was hosted by me, James Parkinson, and produced by Christopher Lawson. If you want to listen to previous episodes, head across to our website, thedefrag.com. That's all the news for today. We'll be back with more tomorrow.